You're listening to the Psychedelic Invest Podcast, where we speak with founders, CEOs, investors, advisors, experts, and thought leaders in the brave new world of psychedelics and entheogenic medicines. Brought to you by Psychedelic Invest, bringing you unparalleled psychedelic investing data and analysis. Psychedelic Invest is the industry's leading resource for those looking to invest in the burgeoning psychedelic industry. For more information and to access all of the podcast episodes, check out our website at psychedelicinvest.com slash podcast. And now here's the host of the Psychedelic Invest podcast, Bruce Eckfeld. Welcome, everyone. This is the Psychedelic Invest podcast. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. Our guest today is Tyler Zakovich. He is Chief Executive Officer at Healing Commercial Real Estate. We're going to talk about the world of psychedelics. We're going to talk about the world of therapy, where we are in terms of understanding kind of those modalities. We're going to talk a little bit about infrastructure, and then we're going to talk about what work Tyler's doing in the real estate space to really help make sure that we have places <laughs> to, to do this work. Yeah, exactly. Important. Yeah, one of the fascinating parts of the psychedelic space is we're, we're so focused on kind of molecules and drug development and FDA approvals and things like that. A lot of the real barriers that we're kind of running up against and people are certainly anticipating as this really develops as an industry is, you know, the infrastructure, you know, physical infrastructure, therapists, like all the things that are really going to need to be in place to make this work and make this accessible and really bring these modalities to the people that need it. So with all that, Tyler, welcome to the program. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Bruce. Excited to be on. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Before we dive into what you're doing today in the real estate space, let's get a little background. Tell us a little bit about you personally, professionally. How did you get into real estate? How did you get into psychedelics? Give us the backstory. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I've had a long history in real estate. I am the son of a developer here in Denver, Colorado. So <laughs> at about the time I was 14 years of age, I would start interning in my dad's office every summer instead of working a retail job. So kind of learned the ropes from him. Then I went out to San Diego, went to the University of San Diego, graduated there in 2009, had a minor in real estate, and then worked for a big private equity distressed real estate fund right after I graduated. We were an FDIC insured buyer, so we were buying, you know, foreclosed condo and apartment notes at 20, 30 cents on the dollar, renovating those, either holding them in perpetuity or selling those off after we completed the project. Mm -hmm. So that for a couple of years, then started doing the same thing by myself, just on a smaller scale at the San Diego court steps. So we're just buying foreclosed properties, renovating those, same thing, either holding them as rentals or selling those off. Then got into student housing at San Diego State. We were buying three to five bedroom houses, getting high occupancy permits, adding three to four bedroom and leasing those out to college students because there was severe undersupply of housing at the time. Then in 2015, started my first fund, which is still in operation today. It's TGP Opportunity Fund 1, which is a bridge lending hard money fund Mm -hmm. we lend across multiple different asset types and all over the country there. And around that same time, moved back to Denver. Since then, I've done a ton of infill development here, anything from medical office to apartment buildings to industrial to single family houses to multifamily. So a long history in real estate and have touched pretty much every asset class. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I know my way around that part yeah. of the woods. And yeah. then, yeah, this opportunity came up to me. I met my two business partners, Cody Shandrell and Dan Carstillo. Actually, at my buddy's ranch here in Colorado in November of last year, and they had been working on this concept for about a year, but didn't have the expertise that they needed on the real estate side, and approached me after that at, after that trip, and yeah, something that I'm passionate about, and see a great opportunity here to 
continue to build out the infrastructure and help as many people as possible as quickly as possible. So yeah, that's kind of how we got here. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You know, I'm curious in terms of as a real estate professional, like when you look at an industry, like what are the things that you're looking for that tell you this might be an area you want to get involved in? And then tell me a little bit about what you're seeing in psychedelics or this kind of multimodal, modal, like uh, therapeutic, you know, processes that, that psychedelics are kind of bringing to the market. Yeah, definitely. I mean, ultimately, real estate comes down to supply and demand, right? So right now, there's a huge demand for this infrastructure and for building out, especially anticipating MDMA getting FDA approved next year. There's just simply not nearly enough spaces to be able to facilitate that medicine when it, when it becomes available. And then, you know, hopefully psilocybin will be down the line a couple of years after that. But yeah, ultimately, to solve the amount of demand that was here and the infrastructure that needed to be built out and then... Yeah, ultimately, like like it multiple ways because it helps people get better along the way, yeah. right? So, yeah. conscious capitalism model where you know it's a great business opportunity, but we're also helping and saving people's lives along the way, which also enticed me. Yeah, and when you looked at the opportunity, like what is the real need in terms of real estate when it comes to psychedelics and psychedelic assisted therapy? Yeah, so right now there's obviously ketamine is FDA approved. There's ketamine centers all over the country now. Yeah. We've seen a substantial amount of growth over the last couple of years, especially with Spravato, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those are set up, you know, either in group settings or they have small rooms that don't have bathrooms attached to them. They have like common area bathrooms where the lighting's different. MDMA therapy sessions are going to be a lot longer and you're going to need multiple therapists and a bathroom like en suite yeah. in the room. So you can, you know, go back and forth and not have mirrors to worry about and have the same lighting and same you know, music going and just kind of a cohesive space. Interesting. And yeah. obviously there are some of those out there in some ketamine clinics now that they're using for clinical trials, like Numinous, for example, has facilities where they've been doing a bunch of testing for MDMA and psilocybin and, and all the FDA approvals, but there's just simply not enough infrastructure out there for, you know, even a 1% of what the demand's going to be. Yeah. I mean, are you finding that the sort of space facility requirements are really different than what's out there right now? Like, I, I'm not even sure, like, what sort of models are out there right now that might be similar to this and how much this is just, like, we just don't have anything that really supports psychedelic therapy. I think that some of the ketamine clinics that are out there right now will be able to adapt and, you know, change some of the rooms into these MDMA rooms as well. But the problem is they take up so much space and there's it takes a lot longer, like I said, than the, the ketamine. Yeah take so it just kind of comes down to the bottom line of the operator we found that majority of the time all these clinics are going to need to move into bigger spaces so that they can keep their ketamine clinics running at capacity as they are currently and then mm-hmm. have the additional space to be able to facilitate this new medicine in these different rooms so yeah like finding the space isn't too hard right now because there's not a lot of transactional stuff happening in the commercial industry right now so there's a, a good amount of supply building wise but once we purchase those buildings, we go and do all the TIs that are required to build out the MDMA room and ketamine rooms or whatever the provider you know is focused on and just help them that way. So we can help them save costs up front and just build those costs into their lease long term so they can keep their operating capital and keep growing their businesses. I'm curious in terms of the companies that you're working with or you know that are approaching you or that you're kind of considering working with, like what is their... I guess, how much are they just in need of kind of capital financial solutions and how much do they need really kind of advising around, you know, either 
location of real estate, you know, a lot of the stuff around kind of the actual facility build out, things like that. I guess, what are you finding you're providing or what the need is in the market? Yeah, I would say it's about half and half. Obviously, you know, the financial consideration is, is helpful for a lot of companies, especially ones that are, you know, not necessarily startups, but new and continuing to grow and continue to expand instead of them having to go out, put a bunch of money down and purchase their own building. We can do that for them. And like I said, just build in the lease. And then secondly, Cody and Dan have extensive experience in the psychedelic industry. Dan used to run three clinics in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So we have a holistic management company as well, which is provide support, helps our operators with billing and streamlining their processes and getting everything in order so that they can run as efficiently as possible. So we do have that kind of advisory management role as well that we can offer to some of these people. And a lot of these traditional behavioral health companies that we're talking to have never tried or used any sort of psychedelic assisted therapy before. So a lot of them are con considering starting to add ketamine to their clinics and, and mm -hmm. then, you know, be ready for MDMA. So it's kind of just expanding and just providing multiple modalities to people that need healing because these medicines have shown up great efficacy compared to what's, what's out there currently with the SSRIs, et cetera. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. What, in terms of the current kind of real estate market and the availability of infrastructure, I mean, are you finding that you're purchasing buildings and doing retrofits and gutting and rebuilding? Or are you doing ground up? I mean, what tends to be the best solution for most of these companies when it comes to creating new infrastructure? Yeah, we're doing all repurposing now just because there is a good amount of supply out there and, and the amount of TI work that we need to do is pretty minimal. It's all, you know, all usually interior TI work and it's relatively easy to find, you know, medical office zoning and if not able to get that medical office zoning if it's just traditional office switched over. So yeah, the majority of the time it's that. We will consider ground up development especially down the line as, as some of these centers, you know, have more unique and bigger needs, I would say that, you know, mm -hmm. if we can't find existing infrastructure, but ultimately right now we're, we've just found that there's a good enough supply out there where we can kind of pick and choose in different markets and continue to move that forward. And then to answer one of your other questions about yeah. companies coming to us, we also have an exclusive data sharing agreement with Healing Maps, uh, which okay. is the biggest aggregator of psychedelic assisted searches basically on the internet. Yep. They have all the ketamine clinics listed there. We can go into a, a particular zip code. We can see what the demand is, like search history demand, how many clinics are there, how close they are to VA hospitals. So we can use that data to our advantage just to provide the best space for our tenants and the best location for them to be able to succeed. Yeah. I guess, what are some of the insights you're finding? Like with this data, like what ends up coming up? Is this, you know, helping companies figure out general locations, specific locations, like what, how do you leverage this? Yeah, mostly it's finding underutilized cities and in those cities like pockets of opportunity where there's a good population size or there's a ton of search history and just not enough ketamine clinics to service all those people that, that need help. So yeah, we can pinpoint it down to, you know, within a city or, or just look at big holes in, in cities of different states that, that are underserved currently. Yeah. And what are you finding about sort of these markets? Are you finding there's kind of hotbeds right now in terms of people that are interested in this therapy and people that want to provide therapies in certain, you know, municipalities, different states? I mean, what does the map look like for you? Yeah, I think that there's opportunity pretty much in every state. I think a lot of people that were trying to get these up as quickly as possible just, you know, went to most densely populated areas and big cities, but there's a lot of need for, you know, additional support in some underserved communities and 
yeah, we've just been able to find that when somebody's looking at a specific state, we're able to look at the individual cities and find out what part of the cities have the best search history and how far away those clinics are, even if there are any clinics in that city. So I think that there still just needs to be so much infrastructure built for ketamine, you know, to expand. And then obviously, as we discussed, MDMA is going to be a whole new frontier as well. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, any timeline on some of these things, or do you have any kind of strategic map <laughs> timing in terms of when you think some of this other stuff is going to come online and actually hit the market and you're going to have, see the demand? As far as MDMA or? Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll get FDA approval sometime next year, but you know, obviously these companies don't want to wait and be building out these spaces after it gets approved. They kind of want to be ready. And that's, what's nice about these MDMA rooms is they can be used for, you know, group therapy or ketamine or whatever you want in the interim. So it's not like it's dead space. Yeah. You can kind of adapt and use it as is for now and then just be ready to go when, when that does come online. Yeah. Interesting. In terms of the companies you're looking at or, you know, when someone approaches you or you're looking to work with somebody, what's kind of your checklist? Like, what are you looking for in terms of the type of partner? What's important to you? What, you know, what are kind of signs or indicators that this is going to be a good deal and kind of how do you set up the deals themselves? Yeah. We look at the company's, you know, track record, their credit history, their operational history, make sure that they're profitable at their current locations, that they have a good growth plan. And then um, when we decide to work together, like I said, we'll go purchase the real estate, do all the TIs and build out and whatever needs to be done at the space. And then we will sign uh, long-term triple net leases with the tenant. So we're ultimately able to you know, recoup those costs down the line, but it's not a huge burden for the tenants day one because they're not having to come out of pocket for all the major expenses. Yeah. So you basically providing the financing, taking over the property, providing financing, and then leasing it back to them for services. Yep, exactly. And some of yeah. those are expansion properties and some of those are still leasebacks where they might already own the real estate, but they want to expand in another location. They can't do that without additional capital on hand. So we're able to purchase that building back from them. They do a sale lease back on the space Got that they're it. currently in, and then we'll go help them find another location or they can use that money that they get back to further their operations, that location as well. Got it. And I mean, I guess, how do you kind of model your deal with them in terms of the time? Like how long are these leases for? Do you anticipate follow-on leases? Is this, is your model to then, you know, find other tenants for this property when that lease expires? Or how do you kind of think through the life cycle of the building? Yeah. Usually they're 10 year terms, like initial terms with uh -huh. two, five year extension options. Okay. Obviously, since this space is purpose built for, you know, that company and that yeah. use, we'd like to keep them there as long as possible. Um, but the nice thing about buying these medical office buildings is, you know, medical is not going anywhere. Tend to have a aging population and we feel great about that asset class has performed really well over, you know, the last 20 years, even during recessions, just because people still need medicine and we can repurpose those buildings to a different modality if for some reason the tenant doesn't work out. So yeah, we like the flexibility of having that medical office space that we can transition to some other operator if need be worst case scenario. Yeah. I'm curious about sort of the other side of the market in terms of the investors, like where are you finding your investors? Why do they want to invest in this? Like what's the kind of the pitch, the motivation for people getting involved in this space? Yeah, we did our, we just finished and closed our seed round. We oversubscribed a little bit. Most of that was just, you know, friends and family, founders, capital. Right now we're working on going out with a series A, talking to a couple of investment banks, deciding who we want to go with there and then rolling that out. I think ultimately what excites our investors is provides opportunity to invest in psychedelics, but doesn't nearly have the risk profile that 
you would if you you know invested in a drug development company or you know you name it on the psychedelic front that's super speculative and you don't know if it's going to be a home run or a, a zero yeah we like this just because historically real estate's been a very safe asset class and yeah then ultimately you get get some upside with the alpha being one of the first movers in the psychedelic infrastructure space as well yeah what does the competitive landscape look like here i mean are there a lot of companies that are you know providing this kind of kind of real estate financing services is this are you one of the few? How do you kind of analyze the competition and your position in the market? Yeah, I mean, we haven't really heard of any direct competitors yet. I'm sure people are starting to look at it and starting to dig in as well. Yeah, There's obviously a bunch of people that were historically in the marijuana space, but yeah. it's actually very different than psychedelics because those, you know, marijuana is obviously not FDA approved where, where the medicines that we're working with are. Yeah. So that, that allows us to be able to get financing on these buildings if we'd like to, unlike how MMJ was in the in the early days. So obviously you can get it now from some places, but yep. there's just less red tape around this industry. And you know, when people hear psychedelics, they automatically think of acid or whatever their <laughs> whatever their childhood memories are. Yeah, exactly. It's actually surprising how few people know that ketamine actually is FDA approved and a lot of our job is just educating people on the space and through legislature dan and cody are super involved on the legislative front and yeah. have helped move a bunch of those bills forward so yeah just spreading awareness and showing the opportunity and ultimately the the medicines speak for themselves because they've just had great efficacy rates and are actually helping people get better permanently so yeah, yeah it's super exciting i'm curious about this kind of the stigma around this stuff are you finding that the particularly on the investor side people that are investing are people that are really passionate about psychedelics, but haven't really done much real estate, but they see this as a good entry point, or are they real estate people that don't know much about psychedelics, but see the sort of opportunity and, you know, you kind of have to educate them on, okay, yeah, this is the legal situation. This is where we are. This is the risk. Like, I'm curious who's getting involved and why. Yeah. I would say it's kind of half and half there too. Okay. You obviously have the people that yeah, have been in the industry for a while and, and just see this hole and need for for infrastructure moving forward because they've been on the ground and been involved in psychedelic companies or, you know, have family members that have needed help that haven't been able to get it, et cetera. Yeah. And then, yeah, on the other side, I think this opportunity is exciting to a lot of real estate investors because it yeah, provides that alpha opportunity with a growing new industry that has a lot less risk than some of the previous ones like marijuana, like we previously talked about. So yeah, I would say a little bit of both. It's easy to, sell the story and, you know, kind of show the demand that's going to be there. And I you know, just have to put the pieces together and build it out and make it happen. Yeah. I mean, I guess, how are some of these companies doing, you know, given the fact that you're reasonably intimate with some of these companies and seeing how they're operating and, or at least what their plans are and like how, you know, how well they're able to kind of actually execute, like what any insights on what's kind of working for folks, either in terms of types of programs, types of facilities, locations? Like, what are you seeing about the effectiveness of the industry at this point? Yeah, I think on the ketamine therapy side, a lot of the companies that were just out there for the cash grab and, you know, doing ketamine mills where they didn't have any talk therapy associated with implementation of the medication, I think those companies are struggling and having problems with retention rates because ketamine opens people up. But if you don't have any Anybody to talk to about these feelings or, you know, these traumas that you're dealing with and yeah. usually doesn't help or they don't know what to do with it. Kind yeah. of opens up a can of worms without figuring out the, the solution to the problem. 
Yeah. But yeah, the companies that are doing it well, like Numinous that has talk therapy associated mm-hmm. pre post have very structured programs. They're doing a bunch of the training for obviously new ketamine providers and then getting ready for the MDMA training as well. I think they're a great company, very forward thinking and doing it the right way for people to, you know, get better and stay better. Yeah. And as you look at some of these other compounds and kind of therapeutic models and things like that, or at least, you know, as you're kind of looking at the industry and what these clinics are going to have to be supporting next, is there any kind of new requirements that you anticipate or, you know, kind of models that you're going to have to think about different kind of facility structures? Yeah, I think that the more, you know, healing modalities that that these places have, the better. A lot of them are, you know, starting to implement TMS, having that as an option. Obviously, ketamine is the, the main drug and only therapeutically approved psychedelic currently. But I think MDMA will have a huge uptake as well once that comes online, just based on the FDA trial results so far. It's had a really good efficacy rate and has you know shown to basically cure PTSD the majority of the time through these multi-week trials and three implementations of the medicine. So yeah, I think ultimately the more modalities that each one of these clinics can offer, the better, just because you know some things work better for some people than others. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll just continue to expand. And as new things come on the market and new modalities, they'll just continue to adapt and add those on and just have multiple treatment options for everybody. Yeah. As you're kind of looking forward on your strategic plan and where you kind of hope to be or expect to be, where do you feel like the constraint is going to be? Is it on, you know, finding good quality operators that need this kind of real estate solution? Is it on the investor side, like finding people that can provide the capital for these deals? Is it the real estate itself, like being able to actually find enough facilities that you can convert or you can actually, you know, build ground up? Like where do you anticipate the challenges being? Yeah, I think mostly on the operator side, like we've talked to a ton of companies, not many of them meet the qualifications of, you know, what we're looking for in a tenant currently. Yeah. Uh, the ones that the ones that have we've obviously started working with. And then we've also implemented a few other different modalities like behavioral health companies, eating disorder companies. So it's not all psychedelic assisted therapy based. Mm-hmm. We're also buying buildings and doing sale leasebacks for those kind of spaces as well. One, because we like the model. And then two, a lot of those companies, as I mentioned before, are considering adding psychedelic assisted therapy to their clinics down the line. So I think there's good crossover there. And obviously having a landlord that had experience with those medicines in the past is can be super helpful. Yeah. Any other things that you're watching from either a legal or regulatory point of view? I mean, I know some of the clinical trials are kind of underway here, but is anything you're kind of finger on the pulse of in terms of where this industry is going to go? Yeah. I mean, just keeping a track on when MDMA is going to be actually approved and then, you know, seeing what's next on the line, either psilocybin or LSD or yeah, just staying on top of it and helping push for that legislation where we can. And just, yeah, with Cody and Dan being so involved in the industry, they pretty much know everybody and hear everything that's going on. So we have a pretty good pulse on on the market and and what's coming next so that we can be well prepared for it and, and help our tenants do the same. Yeah. I'm curious, given kind of this series of industries you've been in on the real estate side, like what's your kind of compare and contrast, you know, in terms of this market, where we are, I know we're still kind of early stage, but anything that you see here that is just like other markets you've been in, and it's a pretty standard story, how much of this is really kind of different and unique from other industries that you've done, you know, real estate solutions in? Yeah, I think it's pretty unique as far as how much demand there's going to need to be. 
the infrastructure side, especially when MDMA comes online. I can't think of copycat story off the top of my head that that would need yeah. this much demand in this quick of time. And it's just such a specialized build out that it just currently doesn't exist. I think there's some great alpha there and great opportunity. And yeah, that's ultimately the thing we're most excited about is just the growth and infrastructure that needs to be built out for this to be effective and for it to be able to help as many people as possible. Yeah. And as grows, I'm assuming, you know, you're going to get other entrants, you know, other people that are going to come into this space from, you know, providing these types of solutions. Where do you feel like your real uniqueness is or things that you're going to focus on to really differentiate in this market as things develop? Yeah, I think that data agreement that we have is super helpful. Yeah. I think that's one of our main competitive advantages. And then obviously just the first mover advantage as well. Been working on this for a while and have a good pulse on all the players out there currently and who's looking to do what and just good understanding of the current landscape and the holes that need to be filled. So yeah, I think just our history in the space and education that we have on that front and then ultimately just the lack of infrastructure that currently exist and just being at the forefront of providing solutions for that is, is the main opportunity. Right. And any particular either geographies or areas that you're looking for deals in, I mean, any particular areas of focus that you have right now? No, it's all of our searches are, besides the sale lease specs, obviously are tenant led. So tenant comes to us, they say, you know, we want to expand into this market or we want to expand into this current market that we're already in, but need more uh, space just because we have such high demand here. So then we'll, yeah, we'll take that request, run their data through healing maps, and then find the best area of opportunity near where they were thinking, just yeah. be able to provide them with the best chance of, of success at that particular location. Yeah. Excellent. Tyler, it's been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, more about the work that you're doing, what's the best way to get that information? Yeah. So our website is healingcrei.com. You can go there and find out a little bit more of our company and our contact information is all there as well. We're on all the social media and LinkedIn and all that as well under Healing CREI. So but yeah, the website's the easiest place to go for finding a lot of content information. And yeah, I would love to talk to more clinicians or investors or whoever has interest here and keep moving this forward. Perfect. I'll make sure that the information is in the show notes. Tyler, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Yeah. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Psychedelic Invest Podcast. If you liked this episode, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and leave us a review. You can find more episodes on all the major podcasting platforms and our website at psychedelicinvest.com slash podcast. <laughs>